highest of heights to the depths of the sea. Verse 17, back in our text, he says, It is also written in your law, he says to the Pharisees, that the testimony of two men is true. And this is where, even in our own justice system, you know, we see in Deuteronomy 19, One witness shall not rise against a man concerning any iniquity of any sin that he commits. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every matter be established. And this is where we, even our legal system, our legal con- our code comes from the Bible. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Jesus believed that his testimony was enough, yet to accommodate them, he also brought another testimony— God the Father also testified that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of the living God. If the Jews then demand two witnesses in order to satisfy the Jewish law of evidence, those two witnesses exist. They are Jesus and his Father. Even though Jesus did not need to give religious leaders an explanation, he did so to expose his divine status as witnessed by God the Father. Now let's join Pastor Rob. Spiritual life. In Romans chapter 13, what does it tell us? Paul said to the Romans, And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Notice, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. He would also say, put on Christ. Put on Christ. Put on light. The same thing. Put on the light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. What an awesome passage. A moral, spiritual light, the very light of Jesus Christ. Go back into our text in verse 13. What does it say? So the Pharisees said to him, You bear witness of yourself, and your witness is not true. And Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from and where I am going. You know, Jesus was never, uh, he never had an identity crisis. Are you suffering from an identity crisis or going through what we call a midlife crisis? Have you heard of that? Abide in Jesus Christ. Give your life to him and you'll be blessed and you'll be fulfilled. I believe the reason why people have a midlife crisis is because they don't know who they are. They don't know who they are. They don't know their purpose. They feel that they haven't achieved all the things that they had hoped to achieve. Never once asking themselves whether their goals for their life was God's plan for them or not. 
See, I believe missing God's plan for your life is the crisis. I had a crisis until I came to Christ, and then my crisis departed. Because now I know who I really was, and it had nothing to do with me. I was in him now, and he had a plan for my life that's still unfolding. And I love that. I love that. Do you want to know God's plan for your life? I would encourage you to get involved. Get involved in the church and in anything and get moving. As you spend time with the Lord, as you pray, then put feet on that and get involved because a person who is moving, the Lord can steer him very easily. And that's what he did with my life. I started off cleaning toilets and washing floors and sweeping and mopping and doing all those things. And I still don't mind doing those things. But you know what? As I was moving, the Lord was working in me and opening up other doors of opportunities and other doors of opportunities, other doors of opportunities, And it just kept going and going because I was just willing to do anything. Are you willing to do anything? To serve him? Not to serve Calvary Chapel. But to be willing to do anything. To serve Jesus Christ. But Jesus knew who he was. And they should have known who he was. As they seen the miracles that he had performed, they should have examined his life and compared it with the scriptures that they knew very well. Believe me, the Pharisees and the scribes, they knew the scriptures, the Old Testament, better than any of us. They should have been watching. They should have been waiting. They were expectant waiting for the Messiah. And then when he finally arrives... They totally miss him. And instead of embracing him because he was stealing away their converts, instead of being happy and following along with him and being one big happy throng of, of believers, they resisted him. They were jealous of him. They wanted to murder him. Jesus goes on in our text in verse 15. He says, You judge according to the flesh, you Pharisees, but I judge no one. And yet if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone. But I am with the Father who sent me. Notice again the oneness and the unity with the Father. Jesus came to the world that through him all might be saved. But guess what? He is going to be a returning judge because when he comes physically to the earth in his second coming, he will come back as the great judge, the lion of the tribe of Judah, to bring vengeance upon all those on the earth who have rejected him. That is the truth. Jesus said, the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. And he who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Did you get that? If you don't honor the Son, then you don't have the Father either. You don't honor him either. There's other passages that say, if you don't have the Son, you don't have the Father also. Well, I believe in God, but this Jesus thing, I don't know. Hey, listen, it's either Jesus or you get nothing. That's what the Bible says. It's Jesus. It's all about him. This whole book of redemption, it's all about him on every page. Didn't he say in the volume of the book, it is written of me? That's what he said. Every page, Leviticus, yes, even Leviticus, all point to Jesus in some way or fashion. You recall in Luke's gospel, Jesus... It says in chapter 4, verse 16, So Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And as he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, and we know this is Isaiah 61. It says, The Spirit of the Lord has come upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, 
He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on them, and he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Let me read to you Isaiah 61 and those up to what Jesus wrote. And he left out one thing on purpose. The last thing he said was to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. But what does it say after that in Isaiah chapter 61 verse 2? It says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Did Jesus come to bring vengeance initially? No, he came to save. That's why he closed the book. There was a time coming where that was going to happen. We know that in the future, yet future to us, that Jesus will return to the earth. And there is going to be an accounting. He is going to be the judge of all the earth. And it's not going to be pretty. But the good news is, is that you and I are coming back with him. Because we must be removed before the great tribulation that we talked about, that we heard about in, that, uh, in the scripture, but also in the conference we looked at yesterday. That great tribulation period that we looked at in the book of Revelation. We're not here for that, folks, because God has not appointed us, the church, to wrath, but to obtain salvation. He doesn't take his bride through a war zone before he, you know, he doesn't do that. Would you take your bride, guys, into a war zone? Where he's going to give, bring judgment upon you? Would, you? would you do that? No, you wouldn't do that. And neither would God. It's not in his character. Jesus didn't say that last phrase because it was something he would accomplish, not in his first coming, but in his second coming. And notice he says, and yet if I do judge, the Greek word is krino, And um, he says, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. See, we are not to judge, but God is the perfect judge. He is the only one who's qualified and has the authority to judge righteously and justly. What does it tell us in Matthew 7? Jesus told us, Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with what measure you use, it will be measured back to you. This word again is is the word krino, and it means to condemn. The idea is to distinguish, to condemn, to damn, to um, basically to pass judgment once and for all. And we are not to do that. Only God is capable of, of doing that. We do not pass judgment because we don't have the authority or the understanding to condemn anybody, to judge anyone, anybody like Jesus can. In 1 Corinthians 4, it says, But he who judges me, Paul said, is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring the light, notice, the light, the hidden things of darkness, and reveal the counsels of the heart. And then each one Each one's praise will come from God. But see, he is the judge. We are not to judge, but we are called to be fruit inspectors. I'd like to clear up something this morning that I think we get wrong. Our culture doesn't understand. We are to be fruit inspectors. 
In Matthew 7, verse 15, Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? The obvious question or answer is no. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear good bad fruit. I'm sorry, excuse me. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Notice, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Are we called to not see things for the way they are? No, we see things for what they are. It's okay to call a spade a spade. We have to be careful, though. Because we don't always have all the, all the information. But usually when so, someone says, don't judge me, what they are really saying is that they know the fruit of their doings is wrong. Whenever the, somebody says, don't judge me, they already, their conscience is already convicted. They know what they're doing is wrong. Don't judge me. I've heard people tell me that. Before I even say a word, I'm just in their presence. And they'll say something. They'll say, don't judge me. I'm like, you just did it yourself. I didn't say a thing. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. There's a conscience that we have or we know we've done wrong. And just because we may know something, know the, someone by the fruit of their doings doesn't mean that we've condemned them and, and passed judgment. God will take care of that. Even Paul in the book of Titus, what did he say? He says, one of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. And notice what Paul says. This testimony is true. Did Paul judge them? No, he just called it what it was. See, we don't condemn people. But I need to be first a fruit inspector of my own life. And also look around me and, and things in life and say, if this thing, if this thing, whatever it is, this person, if a person keeps stealing from you, you, you have a pretty good reason. You know them by their fruit. You can't trust them. They're a thief and a liar because that's what they are. And then someone will come and say, well, don't judge. No, no I'm just being very obvious. Do you, do you get the point? Because we're not condemning anybody to hell when we say that you're a thief and a liar. That's probably the truth. We're not condemning them to hell. We're just being very real, being honest. Be honest with yourselves. It's a good thing. Verse 17, back in our text, he says, It is also written in your law, he says to the Pharisees, that the testimony of two men is true. And this is where, even in our own justice system, you know, we see in Deuteronomy 19, one witness shall not rise against a man concerning any iniquity of any sin that he commits. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every matter be established. And this is where we, even our legal system, our legal con- our code comes from the Bible. Did you know that? It, didn't, it wasn't just made up by the people in the United States, you know, our founding fathers. No, they got this from the Word of God. There's safety in that. If two people say that I saw this man commit this crime, the eyewitness account of two or three people, oh my goodness, you're done. But if someone says, well, I, I look like him, he was wearing the same hat, eh, it doesn't really cut it. I didn't really see him, I, it was dark, I couldn't tell. Maybe it was somebody else. That's why you get called out of work to serve in jury duty. 
you get to take part of that process. Jesus said in verse 18, he says, I am the one who bears witness of myself. And the Father who sent me bears witness of me. When did, when did the Father bear witness of Jesus Christ? When was it? At the baptism of Jesus. Remember when Jesus was baptized by his cousin, John, that the heavens were opened to him and he saw the Spirit descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Father breaking through and speaking audibly. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And then later on in Jesus' ministry, when he was transfigured on the mount with Peter, James, and John, you remember what had happened. That they saw that Peter, James, and John are up there on the mountain with Jesus, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, his clothes became as white as light, and Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. And then Peter, I love Peter, reminds me so much of myself. Just a big mouth. I mean, before I got, I mean, you think I'm a big mouth. Uh, back before I was saved, I, I, mean, I think I had Tourette's syndrome because everything that I thought just came out of my mouth. I didn't even have, there was no filter. I just kind of shared whatever I wanted, you know, and got myself into a lot of trouble. I still do that sometimes, um, but not as much anymore. But notice, they're up there, and Peter says, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let's build three tents, one for you, one for Moses and Elijah. Sounds like a good plan. And that's when the cloud <laughs> overshadowed them all and then a voice came out of heaven and said this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased hear him there's a big difference between him and Moses and Elijah right Moses and Elijah were created things Jesus was the uncreated one he's the one who always existed he never had a beginning no one gave birth to him he was always with the father so when they said to him, verse 19, where is your father, these scribes and Pharisees? Jesus answered, you neither know me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. See, they were thinking already that Jesus was talking about Joseph, his real father, or his, his earthly father, right? That's who they were thinking of. They were thinking that. But what does 1 John tell us? Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. In 2 John 1.9, it says, Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. In verse 20, these words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And no one laid hands on him. Guess, and, and I'll underline this phrase again. We've been looking at it. For his hour had not yet come. And then Jesus said to them again, I am going away. And you will seek me, and you will die in your sin, and where I go, you cannot come. Here, Jesus obviously predicting his death, predicting his death and his resurrection and his ascension. And so the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he says, where I go, you cannot come. And he said to them, you are from beneath, I am from above, and you are of this world, and I am not of this world. Now, if Jesus wasn't who he said he was, then this would be a, a patent lie, and he would deserve to be stoned for blasphemy. But these things are true of him. This is who he really was. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if. Circle that word, if. That's a very important word. If. 
Jesus knew that many of the Pharisees that he was speaking to weren't going to come to him. But notice, I love the word if. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Notice the operation of the free will here. If, circle it. They could still make a choice for Christ. It wasn't too late. This is why strict Calvinism is flawed. That word if tears everything apart. Strict Calvinists believe that God is sovereign and man has, is just a, a robot. That God makes his mind up and that's it. There's no, there's no sovereignty, there's no decision in man at all. He's just following a script. But that's not true because God says, for God so loved the world that whosoever would believe in him. That whosoever is a big word. That doesn't mean that God has his favorites. I've, these are going to go and these are not. Now, does God ultimately know who it is? Of course he does. But does he influence the life? No, he gives everybody the opportunity to come to him. But what decision are you going to make? That's the decision we have to make. What decision are you going to make? Are you going to walk around wondering, am I really one of Christ? Am I really going to heaven? Listen, there's no way you're going to go to heaven except through Christ. Jesus said it. There's no one who comes to the Father except through me. Yes, it's exclusive, but it's open to every human being, including the Muslim, including the serial killer, including the murderer, including the extortioner, the adulterer, the fornicator, the drug abuser, you name it. It is open to all. Then they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I've been saying to you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true. Who is he speaking of? God the Father. He who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard from him. You might want to write in the margin of your Bible, John 17, and read the whole thing. It's the high priestly prayer of Christ. I've mentioned it a lot in this, in this chapter because there's such a oneness. When you read that, you're going to be blown away at the unity and the, the oneness that Christ has with his Father, that the Father has with the Son, that the Spirit has with the Son, that you and I have with the Son, and thus we have with the Father. The whole thing is like a package deal. I love package deals. Bogos, I love buy one, get one. Buy one car, get one free. They did not understand that he spoke to them of the Father meaning God the Father. They thought he was speaking of his earthly father, Joseph, who was really no more than a caregiver. He had nothing to do other than raising, being a part of raising Jesus. And then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. What does he mean by this? When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am and that I do nothing of myself. But as the Father has taught me, I speak these things. Jesus is here speaking of his crucifixion, being lifted up. When, you, when I am lifted up, right, isn't that what he says? When you lift up the Son of Man, yes, you're going to be complicit in my murder. They probably didn't even know it at that time, but he already knew what was coming. They hadn't even hatched the plan yet, even though the desire was in their heart. But Jesus was speaking of his crucifixion. And when he said it, when the Son of Man is lifted up, I can't help but wonder if he was referring back to the Old Testament, Numbers 21. Remember when they were going through the desert 
And then they began to complain to God and to Moses about the food and the, and the water that they didn't have. And then finally God did give them those things. But they complained. And the, and the Lord sent fiery serpents to bite the people. And many people died because of their anger and their unbelief. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.